Each year, the Georgia Writers Hall of Fame inducts new members to its growing list of authors who've made significant literary contributions to the state. And this year, I will be at the annual ceremony to interview inductees John T. Edge and A.E. Stallings. That's on November 17th at the UGA Special Collections Library in Athens. Well, today we're speaking with Janice Ray, who was inducted into the Georgia Writers Hall of Fame in 2015. Her expansive body of creative works range from nonfiction to poetry to memoir, notably Ecology of a Cracker Childhood. A 15th anniversary edition of that book came out last year. Her work centers around deep love of nature, specifically the landscape of South Georgia. She grew up on a junkyard in Baxley, Georgia. And even though she opens her memoir with the statement that her homeland is about as ugly as a place gets, she's now a champion for ecological preservation of Georgia's southern forests. And joining me from Savannah today, Janice, welcome. Thank you so much. Virginia, thank you. Well, I want to pick up on that. Baxley in South Georgia, about as ugly as a place gets, unless you look close, there's little (laughs) majesty. You were looking close, practically living outside, half wild, I think your mother called you. Where did you find its majesty? Well, in the, you know, in my childhood, I found it in things like trees and the little clump of, of pitcher plant down in the junkyard. But, of course, when I could get away and look back, I I saw more of it. And I was really grown up before I could see that we had this amazing ecosystem that covered the coastal plains of the south that more or less had been destroyed. So that, I mean... There, there are majesty other places. I think there's majesty in our, you know, in our communities and our people and our cultures. But, but in this case, tremendous majesty in longleaf pine forests. And you use in that memoir and in, I think in your poetry, you use your family story to tell a larger story about, about the uniqueness of this southern forest in Georgia, specifically the longleaf pine. What is it about unique about this tree for you? Um, so this tree has built so much of our region and our country. It's built, you know, very famous buildings, very famous bridges, including the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, when you, it also, it also engendered an entire culture that sprang up in it. So let me just tell you that it, it, it has an incredible diversity, but the diversity is not in the tree. It's mainly this one species of longleaf pine that has a super interesting natural history. And then all these other uh, species, most of which are threatened and endangered, like gopher tortoise, red cockaded woodpecker, Bachman sparrow. So when you deconstruct it, it's it's just a fabulous place. And at first glance, you would just see swaths, you know, green swards mm-hmm. of one kind of pine, like entirely monotonous, but it's not that at all. And that just so captured my imagination when I got old enough to realize that there was just this treasure chest around me that I hadn't paid close enough attention to as a child. And you deeply explore that, both the ecology and the economy that and, and the history of the region that you grew up in and the state of the forest today. I'm thinking there are plenty of other places in the country that have preserved the beauty of their natural landscapes. You think of the American West and the national parks and protected areas. So in your view, why haven't we protected the natural beauty of the South? 
oh gosh, Virginia, we're in deep water now, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, there are just so many tensions that are inherent in the South. And some of it I blame on, you know, this, the group of privileged people who accepted slavery, refused to change. And sort of made it, I mean, I hate to use incendiary language, but kind of made us a colony, made the South a colony. Um, we were also going through lots of development before the movement of the landscape painters who were able to show those gorgeous vistas of the West. So, you know, lots of reasons, some some just industrial in nature and and some just a fact of us being culturally behind. Well, this is an identification that you make, the, 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 the quote, cracker identity, the culture and heritage of people who came from Britain to settle in the American South. Uh, but you also write of their relationship to the longleaf pine. Our, our, our legacy is ruination. You were just talking about that. Mm-hmm. What's it like to hold both of those identities so closely, one of, of, of loss and, as you put it, colonization, and also, you know, an identity of joy and, ident- and, and familiarity? Well, I would say... You know, 40 years ago, when I was a child, it was so much easier to do that because I could see so freshly the beauties and joys of, of my culture, this, this thing I grew up in. But as time has passed and as there has been a distillation of elements that aren't so supportable, I'm honestly having a harder time with that. And, you know, we could go very far into that, but I think I think we can just end it there. It's it's it, we have both, and and yet if we continue to lose our best and brightest children to urban areas, to areas other than the American South, um, what is left here is a kind of fundamentalism that isn't pretty. Well, Always. Fun- fundamentalism was you, you grew up in a very strict brand of it. You didn't even celebrate holidays or birthdays. What, what was the natural world in that kind of belief system? Um, we were mostly inside. I think that's where your question is going. So the natural world pretty much didn't exist in that kind of ecosystem. Um, it took me getting away to find it. And and I also did have portions of it, pieces of it, and that would be when I could escape down into the junkyard as a child with my brothers or without them and climb a tree or mm. or find, you know, some bit of beauty. And I continue to believe that no matter our circumstances that nature offers us that. But and my abiding hope for my work, for this book, for for our lives is that we all learn to look at at nature and that we learn to honor it, to give it rights, to live more sustainably on this, you know, beautiful, heartbreaking planet we live on. Hmm. You you, I think, rebelled. It's safe to say became a bit of a hippie uh, after you left your home. But this term cracker, this is both. Insult and term of endearment, depending on who's using it. And and as time has passed, there's different kind of sensitivities to it. What kind of feedback have you gotten from embracing and using that term? 
That's so funny. Uh, why, why, imme- what's funny? It, well, almost immediately, the first reading I did, somebody in the back stood up and asked what I meant by the word cracker. It, <laughs> it's just, you know, it has such racial overtones and so forth. And I, I'm, I'm not sad that I used it. I think it does. I, I want to believe that it means a poor, a poor Southerner and that, uh, uh, you know, I was the first generation in my extended family to go to college. And so when people like me finally got to college, we were given the tools to write about our lives. And so I'm part of this uh, great cadre of memoirs like Mary Carr mm-hmm. and, and so forth who sprang up. So um, I can't say that I would write that term differently if I were to do this again, but it has been a question that I've had to answer over and over. What do I mean? In this case, I mean it to be like hillbilly would mean to a person from a mountainous region, just a flatlander who's poor. And in terms of could it be white, could could a cracker be white, could a cracker be black? I personally think, you know, could be all of that. Well, there is a chapter in your memoir that speaks to how we deal with shame and write that even though you struggled with your identity as a Southerner, you chose to honor that part of yourself in your writing, even sometimes writing specifically in a Southern dialect. What would, what was it like to, to write the way you speak? I mean, did it feel wrong according to any writing teacher or did it just feel natural? Well, it certainly felt wrong to my editors. I I got some wonderful, you know, copy edits back there. You know, you just cannot use the word fixing to say (laughs) I'm, I'm fixing to go make a cup of coffee here. So that was, that was a, a a trip. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how do you see the role of writing and art more generally in bringing attention to, to, to that majesty and the changing face of Georgia's forests? Oh gosh, Virginia, I have been sitting here trying to think of the perfect metaphor for books and art. Mm-hmm. They have just meant so much to me. And I know to you too. I think I was thinking here, they're soil, you know, they're the humus. They're all these stories that we collect to explain life in a place, to, you know, to give meaning to our lives, to try to understand these circumstances we were put in. But they're also our bedrock, you know, they're mirrors back to us. They're basically suns, you know, they're just burning us up, these books. I, I am, I, I am a, uh, oh gosh, a book lover of the deepest degree. I believe so fully in books, books as artifactual and as, as transformers and, and, uh, I'm so glad too that books, which were portals in my childhood, there were portals for me to see all the possibilities of this glorious world and that I, I knew pretty early on that I wanted to return that if possible. And um, I'm so grateful that this life has allowed me to do that. And you've been well rewarded for it. A recognition from the Georgia Writers Hall of Fame, among others. We have just a half a minute, so it's unfair for me to ask you this. But you've agitated so much for change in Georgia's Longleaf Pine Forest. Not a lot has. How does that affect you on a personal level? Um. Longleaf is coming back. It, there are many government programs that are assisting that. And, um, I have great hope for it. So 
I, I also know that we're in the middle of another cutting cycle, although these cuts don't, these logging episodes don't seem like cycles to me. It, they seem like one long wound that just goes deeper and deeper into the soul of, of the, of the southerner. Janice Ray, I want to thank you so much for speaking with us. A pleasure. I can't wait to meet you, Virginia. <laughs> Janice Ray, she's an author and environmentalist from Baxley, Georgia. You can find much more about her work at gpbnews.org. And you can join the conversation in our Facebook group, GPB Radios on Second Thought. Who do you think should be in the Georgia Writers Hall of Fame? Leave us your comment on our Facebook page. That's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for your attention, for your listening today with On Second Thought. Be back tomorrow. <laughs>